You're listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity. Happy New Year! Hello and welcome to the 1960th edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk for the 5th of January 2024. The editor of this edition is Mary Grenville, the producer is Roger Morris and your readers are Jill Gain and Adrian Grenville. We should also mention our processing team who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you. We commence with the headlines. Honours for Suffolk Stars Poppy seller Jill, 97, among the recipients. Community stalwarts, local heroes and charity superstars have seen their tireless efforts recognised in the New Year's Honours list. Former nurse and CEO of breast cancer charity Art for Care, Belinda Gray, said she was incredibly humbled to be made an MBE after raising $1.4 million over the past decade. Bryony Peel was awarded the British Empire Medal for services to the Saxmundham community for her efforts during the Covid pandemic, as was 89-year-old June Miller for services to the village community after spending 50 years as a parish councillor in Stanton. At 97, Jill Gladwell was the oldest recipient on the list after being made an MBE for voluntary services to the Royal British Legion in Stowmarket. She began collecting for the annual poppy appeal as a 14-year-old during the Second World War. Across the border in Colchester, former England goalkeeper Peter Shilton became a CBE for services to football and gambling harm prevention. Teenage killer who showed no remorse, locked up for 17 years. The teenage killer of 16-year-old Harley Barfield was this week handed a 17-year custodial sentence and told his actions had been born of resentment and a desire for revenge. The 17-year-old, who cannot be named due to his age, was sentenced on Tuesday at Ipswich Crown Court. He was locked up for 17 years, minus the 345 days already spent in custody, and will spend the rest of his life on licence as a result of stabbing Harley to death in Strasbourg Square, Haverhill, last January. On November the 10th, he had been found guilty of murder at the end of a trial that had lasted for more than four weeks. He had denied murder, but admitted manslaughter and possession of a bladed item in a public place. Jurors spent more than 20 hours deliberating before finally having failed to come to a unanimous decision, returning a majority verdict of 10 to 2. The judge, Justice Thomas Linden, said, I think that Harley's girlfriend spoke for everyone who's been affected in this case when she said that she wished that she could wake up from this nightmare. The judge also referred to the victim's statements read out in court by Harley's parents, Daryl and Bernice, his sister Destiny, eldest brother Jack, and by two close friends and his girlfriend. He added, It is clear that Harley was very much loved by many people and is sorely missed. 
Teacher is banned from profession for sexual misconduct. A former Suffolk teacher has been banned from the profession indefinitely after she was found to have committed serious sexually motivated misconduct. Michelle Parry, 41, faced allegations of failing to maintain appropriate professional boundaries with two pupils while working as a teacher at a high school and then at a sixth form college, both in Suffolk. Both former pupils had not remained in close contact with each other following leaving school, a professional conduct panel report said. However, in June 2021, they met up and discussed their experiences with Miss Parry, who was formerly known as Miss Rande, and decided they should make a referral to the Teaching Regulation Agency, which resulted in the hearing. Miss Parry was employed as a music teacher at the high school from 2005 to 2010, and from 2010 to 2011, she worked as a music teacher at a sixth form. The allegations relate to 2009 to 2011. The allegations, found proved by the Professional Conduct Panel, included giving gifts to the former pupils, referred to as Person A and Person B, supplying them with alcohol and inviting them to her home. The proved allegations also included Miss Perry having a sexual relation with Pierron, a person A, making unnecessary physical contact with them and sending them messages that were inappropriate and or sexual in nature. The report said the evidence before the panel showed a complete breakdown of the boundary between the professional relationship that should be maintained between teacher and pupils. The report said the panel took into account that Mrs Parry's behaviour persisted over an extended period and in the face of apparent warnings. It referred to a police investigation and the comment that she was remembered as being a good teacher at the high school. However, she had boundary issues for which she was warned. Two die after horror crash. Ambulance and car collided near town. A driver and a 90-year-old man have died following a crash between a car and an ambulance. Four people were injured in the accident between a Volkswagen Golf and a marked transport ambulance on the B1506 Berry Road between Kentford and Newmarket on December the 19th. The man, a passenger in the ambulance, and the driver of the Golf, a woman in her 70s, died following the crash, a spokesperson for Suffolk Police confirmed. The female driver of the ambulance and a male passenger suffered serious injuries and were taken to Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge for treatment. A passenger within the ambulance, a man in his 90s, has also died, Suffolk Police has confirmed. Officers are now looking to speak to anyone who may have witnessed the crash or may have relevant dash cam footage. Anyone with any information is being asked to contact Suffolk Police. Now we have some general news. A pint of wine? Changes could affect Suffolk businesses. Pint-sized bottles of wine will soon be sold in supermarkets, bars and restaurants around Britain, following a relaxation of the rules following Brexit. Wine bottles, measuring 568 ml of liquid, are set to make a return to the shelves 
as the government announces new rules for wine producers. Previously, pint-sized bottles of champagne were available to purchase. This all changed in 1973 when Britain joined the European Union, which has strict rules about weight and wine measurements. While the government said the vineyards around the UK will benefit from the relaxation of the post-measurement rules, post-Brexit, one Suffolk restaurant manager is not so sure that the rules will make much difference. Josh Hicks, manager of the Leaping Hare restaurant at Wyken Vineyards in Stanton, said, I feel it is unlikely to benefit producers or consumers. The difference between a pint-sized bottle of wine and a regular 750ml bottle is a little over a medium glass of wine. For producers, adding different bottle sizes will only add to further costs as it will require more resources to make and glass is already in short supply. This makes it a less sustainable option and will only add to the higher price point. Bill serves up another Christmas treat. Local pensioners were once again the guests of veteran benefactor Bill Gredley when he treated them to a slap-up Christmas lunch. The luxurious surroundings at Tattersall's world-famous park paddock's auction complex were the venue last Monday and Tuesday with 350 pensioners enjoying the occasion each day courtesy of the Stetchworth-based property magnates Charitable Trust. Guests were treated to a glass of punch or mulled wine on arrival before moving on to three courses of Christmas fare, beautifully presented on tables with white linen cloths and lavish floral decorations. As well as the lunch, pensioners were entertained by the Snap Chaps Jazz Band and Armstrong Opera. Guests on Monday were able to thank Mr Gregley in person as he welcomed his guests and moved from table to table to chat to them, but he was unable to attend on Tuesday when Trust Chairman Margaret Butcher stood in for him telling them, as Mr Gredley always did, to look after anyone who might be lonely on Christmas Day. Mrs Butcher has organised the Christmas lunches since the first one in 2003. During the Covid lockdown in 2020, hampers full of Christmas goodies were dispatched to pensioners. The following year, the lunch was resumed, but with fewer people attending to maintain social distancing. Mrs Butcher said, we are once again very grateful to Tattersalls for allowing us to use their wonderful dining rooms and the superb surroundings which provide a venue equal to a first-class hotel. There was always a fantastic atmosphere with lots of smiling faces. Henry Batchelor has been selected to fight in West Suffolk for the Liberal Democrats at the next general election. He has lived in Haverhill since 2017 and is currently lead cabinet member for environmental services at South Cambridgeshire District Council and chair of planning at Cambridge County Council. Mr Batchelor said sewage, health and the local economy were the top of his agenda. It is clear that there are struggles that our area is facing, he said. Water companies are spending thousands of hours dumping sewage into West Suffolk rivers. Residents are struggling to see their GP or get a dental appointment and 73% of burglaries in West Suffolk go unsold. The Conservatives have clearly failed in being an effective representative. 
At the last general election, the Liberal Democrats came third behind Matt Hancock and the Labour Party candidate. A 20-year-old carpentry apprentice has been recognised for his outstanding craftsmanship in a national award. Felix Jones, 20, who studied at West Suffolk College, scooped two prizes, including a highly commended certificate in the National Institute of Carpenters Third Year Student Award for 2023, as well as becoming the second ever recipient of the Robert Rampley Memorial Award. The £100 prize is awarded in memory of Robert Rampley, a dedicated carpenter and joiner, and recognises outstanding carpentry. Felix from Lackford said, I enjoy carpentry, especially the restoration side of it. My long-term ambition is to be the best. Getting recognition from the National Institute of Carpenters is good for my future. If you want to get awards and achievements, you need to work hard and learn from the people around you. The 20-year-old works at F.A. Valiant and & Son, and Tom Austin, a construction manager for the firm and a former student of the college, came along to support Felix when he was presented with his prize at the Milburn campus of West Suffolk College. Colin Richards, Retro Trader. Play it again, Sam. Colin Richards is the owner of one of the UK's longest surviving DVD rental stores and claims the secret to his success is grandparents and a love of retro. He first opened the doors of TVL, Alistair Video Store, in Haverhill, Suffolk, in 1984. Four decades on, TVL Alistair Video has weathered the ever-changing film scene and continues to trade in the era of Netflix and Amazon, offering more than 8,500 titles. Mr Richard said, A lot of our older customers are bringing their children and grandchildren into the store to give them the experience they used to have on a Friday night. Old school charm. The 70-year-old has admitted to some diversification since 1984, moving from video to DVD rental and now selling stationery and offering repair services. The older generation sometimes need help with filling out forms or getting stuff out of their forms, so they come in often just have a chat. Prices have changed. It used to cost £1.75 a night to rent out a film, but now customers pay three twenty-five for a new release or £2 a week for any other movie. However, the grandfather of four believes there is still a market for film rental from stores because the act of going out to choose and sharing them at home makes it more of a family affair. What keeps him going? According to Mr Richards, one of the greatest threats to the store was not Sky or Disney, but Covid. Over the 40 years that we have been trading, we've had lots of different competition, such as Sky TV, which has affected our business. He said, but Covid was an absolute nightmare for us. We were forced to close, and the closure meant all our regular customers had to go and find a different source. However, this year has seen the business slowly getting back to some normality. At the end of the day, said Mr Richards, I love doing the job. Why did St Edmundsbury Cathedral turn green? One of Suffolk's most prominent landmarks shone green on the longest night of the year 
in support of the NSPCC and its Childline service. Buildings and landmarks across the UK turned green on Friday, December the 22nd in support, one of which was St Edmundsbury Cathedral in Bury St Edmunds. It joined landmarks such as Alexandra Palace in London, Oxford Castle and the Falkirk Wheel in Scotland in turning green. Childline councillors are on hand around the clock to talk to young people throughout the Christmas period and with schools closing their doors and children having reduced contact with wider support networks, many vulnerable children face increased risks at home. James Stark, Head Verger and Events Manager at St Edmundsbury Cathedral said, St Edmundsbury Cathedral is very happy to support the NSPCC and their Walk for Children and Light Up Landmarks campaign once again this year. The cathedral tower went green as a reminder to local people of this important cause. Members of Newmarket Mothers' Union brought festive cheer to prisoners by sending them all Christmas cards. The branch is part of the Mothers' Union in Suffolk, which has been sending cards to inmates at High Point Prison near Newmarket for the last 20 years. Extra cards were also supplied which prisoners could write and send to their family and friends. We know that prisoners who maintain supportive links with their families are less likely to re-offend when they leave prison. We are pleased to donate birthday cards and notelets to facilitate regular communication with their wives and children, said Mother's Union member Sue Norrington. This year, the organisation prepared more than 1,500 cards for delivery. Drink driver, 35, jailed for a second time. A man who previously served time in prison after causing death by dangerous driving has been jailed again after getting caught behind the wheel while he was three times the legal drink drive limit. Danny Warby, of no fixed address but formerly of Cowlinch near Haverhill, appeared at Suffolk Magistrates Court on Thursday, December the 14th, where he was sentenced, having previously admitted to driving with excess alcohol, driving while disqualified and driving without insurance. Warby, 35, was stopped by officers at a petrol station off Willie Snaith Road, Newmarket, on November the 4th. Having approached Warby, officers had reason to request a breath test which showed a roadside reading of 95 micrograms of alcohol in 100 millilitres of breath. The legal limit is 35 micrograms per 100 millilitres of breath. He was arrested and subsequent inquiries showed he was disqualified from driving. In 2016, Warby was handed a six-year prison sentence as well as being banned from driving for 10 years after being convicted of causing death by dangerous driving. Following the sentencing, Police Sergeant Phil Burton said, Warby has an appalling history of driving offences and this latest case shows how he continues to show a complete lack of regard for any punishment imposed upon him by the court system. While on patrol, officers from Suffolk's Sentinel West ANPR team responded to an alert that a stolen vehicle was in the area driven by Warby. When stopped, he was intoxicated and obstructive towards officers. The officers' actions that day may well have prevented the public coming to harm as a result of Warby's recklessness and selfishness. I can only hope that this prison sentence gives Warby time to reflect on his poor life choices. College creates beer 
with brewery to be sold exclusively at Suffolk Restaurant. West Suffolk College has teamed up with the Suffolk Brewery to create a beer which is to be sold in a Suffolk restaurant exclusively. The beer, called Hayes, has been created between students at the college and Humberdoucey Brewing Company based in Stowmarket. The partnership began in July 2023 and will see the beer be exclusively sold in Edmunds Restaurant. Edmunds is the AA Rosette Award-winning eatery, which is part of the Culinary Arts Academy. Matt Golding, head of the Culinary Arts Academy at the college, said, We talked about producing a beer, and we worked together on creating a new beer. We hope it appeals to a wide audience, and it can be purchased at the restaurant. We all look at adding to the line in the future. This is just the beginning. The beer cost £3.75 at Edmunds Restaurant, which is based on Out Risbygate Street in Bury St Edmunds. A man who raped a woman in Bury St Edmunds in 2020 has been jailed for 10 years after being found guilty of a string of offences. Mustafa Ramzan, 34, of Wenlock Mews, London, was found guilty on December the 8th of rape, attempted rape, sexual assault by penetration robbery and criminal damage. At Ipswich Crown Court on December the 11th, he was sentenced to 10 years in jail for rape, with concurrent sentences of 7 years for attempted rape, 6 years for sexual assault by penetration and 4 years for robbery. In April 2020, Ramzan met a woman in her 40s in Bury St Edmunds and after they met, the pair went to a nearby small room in Ruffham Road where he raped her. The victim, who left the site distressed and partially dressed, was robbed of all her money, barring £10, and her mobile phone was also damaged after a police investigation. Ramzan was arrested on April 18, 2020, and charged with the offences. Detective Constable Stephanie Rose, the investigating officer in the case, said, I would like to pay tribute to the victim's bravery, and this case does clearly demonstrate that we are absolutely committed to preventing violence against women and girls, pursuing perpetrators, supporting victims and continuing to strengthen and improve our response to ensure the safety of our communities. Mayor hopes historic pub will be restored. The Mayor of Newmarket has said she hopes a historic pub in the town will be restored to its former glory after its sale was delayed until next year. Property consultant Alsop postponed the auction the Rutland Arms Hotel in Newmarket, currently owned by Review Hotels. Mayor of Newmarket, Philippa Winter, said, I really hope the owners will be able to find a purchaser who will restore it to its former glory. She added, with Barclays Bank closing on one side of the street, and Rutland on the other, my wish is that we can once again make the high street look really nice as soon as possible, and I hope they'll be able to find a purchaser who could do just that. The 17th Century Coaching Inn offers a 46-bedroom hotel with planning permission for an additional 26 en-suite rooms and off-street parking. There are also conference and event facilities, as well as a bar and restaurant. The auction was originally due to take place on Thursday, December the 14th, but has been pushed back to the new year. 
in September, the hotel was put up for sale with a price tag of £2.25 million, but this is currently reduced to a guide price of £1.175 million. A new home is sought for a 2.7 metre tall gold crown, which has been an eye-catching sight in a Bury St Edmunds street this year. The giant coronation crown on the corner of Crown Street and Honey Hill was the centrepiece to Berry and Bloom's floral offerings this summer. Now, Berry and Bloom coordinator Chris Wiley is seeking a new home for the 500 kilogram steel crown. He wants to hear from charities, schools and organisations and said it would be gifted free of charge to the successful applicant. Over the summer, the crown held 14 floral arrangement baskets to represent the jewels in the coronation crown, but it could be repurposed in the future. Two staff members from Perrywood Garden Centre in Sudbury took part in a fundraising dance yathon. Sharon and Sally recently took part in the five-hour event dancing to numerous songs in the garden centre to raise money for one of Perrywood's chosen charities, Hope for Tomorrow. They invited customers to dance alongside them and raise £1,000 for the charity which provides mobile cancer care units for the NHS. Sharon, a retail sales assistant, said, I'm the happiest when doing something for others. There is no exercise better for the heart than reaching down and lifting people up. If I can help just one person, the gift of giving lasts a lifetime. Kelly Capel, Hope for Tomorrow fundraising campaigns and challenge event manager, said, The funds raised through this event will directly impact the lives of so many cancer patients across the country and ensuring they receive high-quality care closer to where it's needed. Our thanks go out to Sally and Sharon, Perrywood and all those who contributed to the success of the dynamic Danciathon, whether it's through donations or getting into the spirit of the Danciathon and joining in. Thank you for supporting Hope for Tomorrow. And now we'll move to some letters. Richard Hare of Woodbridge says, In his letter, Cash Available at Post Offices, David Leach reminds us that we needn't be too concerned if none of our local cash machines are operational, as was the case of all of them, yes, you read that right, all of them, in Woodbridge in mid-December. David isn't the only person to raise this with me. A lady who was also searching for a working cash machine in Woodbridge also told me that all was not lost. She had indeed been able to get some cash from the post office counter. Heaven knows how long she had to queue for it. Queuing aside, the fact that the post office is closed two days a week, combined with it being open only for about six hours a day on days that it is open, leaves me surprised that anyone actually believes that everything in the personal banking garden is rosy. Each to their own, I suppose. Me? I would have preferred cash machines that were available and worked like they used to, Machines that take about 10 seconds to operate and are usable not just 24 hours a day, but 365 days a year too. The idea that the part-time post office counter cash is somehow OK stretches credulity. Welcome to the future. Can't wait for more progress. 
Child Poverty, a letter by Leon Marie Oliver in support of End Child Poverty Coalition. I was shocked to learn by new research from the End Child Poverty Coalition that in Suffolk Coastal there are 4,329 children living in poverty, which equals to 23% of all children. Across the UK, this figure is 29%. It's concerning to me that the UK children are growing up in homes where they go without meals, appropriate clothing or heating. The research not only details when children are growing up in poverty, but which families are most likely to be experiencing this. The report finds that between 2021 and 22, across the UK, 71% of children who are in poverty after housing costs and 67% of those who are in poverty before housing costs were in a family where at least one adult was working. 44% of children in lone parent families are in poverty after housing costs. This compares with 25% of children in a couple parent families. The poverty rate for children in families with three or more children was 42% compared with 23% and 22% among children in families with one or two children respectively. Children living in a family where someone is disabled has a poverty rate of 36% after housing costs compared with 25% for children living in families where no one is disabled. There are persistent ethnic inequalities in child poverty across the UK. 47% of children in Asian or Asian British households and 53% for those in black households were all in poverty after housing costs. This is compared with just 25% of those where the head of the household was white. I understand that in order to address the increasing numbers of children in poverty, the End of Children Poverty Coalition, are calling for an end to the two-child limit to benefit payments as part of their All Kids Count campaign. If the government were to do scrap this policy, which prevents larger families from claiming child-related benefits, their third or subsequent child, 250,000 children would be immediately lifted out of poverty. Anthony Georgie of Noddishaw writes, The value of doctors' skills. A junior doctor earns between 15 to £30 pounds per hour. I have just been charged £78, pounds, £65 pounds plus VAT, for one hour's work by a renewable energy electrician. There must be something wrong with our social values if a man who basically just joins copper wire together can be charged at two to five times the rate our government is willing to pay someone who can hold our life or death in their hands. From the EACH Chair of Trustees, we never take your support for granted. Happy New Year! I wanted to write and thank everyone for the outstanding support for East Anglia's Children's Hospices, EACH, in 2023. As Chair of Trustees, it's a charity close to my heart and an honour and privilege to have been appointed, having been on the board since 2016. I have a very personal connection with EACH as a bereaved dad.
And, having lived experience of how the organisation supports families, that's why I wanted to give something back. Stanley, my beautiful boy, died when he was just 18 months old in July 2012. It would have been his birthday on January the 2nd. As you can imagine, my wife and I were left in a complete daze. Our world collapsed. We didn't know which way was up. A couple of days later, we had a knock on the door and it was two members of the EACH care team. Very simply, they said, You think you may need us. And boy, they were right. In those days, weeks, months and years after, support we received was absolutely essential and exceptional. We benefited from memory-making and memory days, bereavement counselling and group sessions. The team never told us how to do things. They just guided us, helping to navigate our own pathway. Skipping forward to the present day, it's incredibly rewarding being part of such a well-loved, respected organisation and the commitment, ambition and passion I witness every day is truly tangible. So as both a bereaved parent and now the Chair of Trustees, I'd like to offer my heartfelt thanks for this outstanding public support. We never take that generosity for granted and hope for more of the same in 2024, wrote Brad McLean. Keith Apps and Beres and Edmonds writes, There'd be a rush if NHS had to pay the difference. Once again we see the usual response from government to sorting out dentistry problems in Suffolk and Norfolk. They will sit on their hands and do nothing. Would we get the same response if all the MPs were in marginal constituencies? I don't think so. I have a solution to the complete lack of NHS dentistry in East Anglia. The NHS should pay the difference between private and NH dentistry. You would then get trampled in the rush by the government to get NHS dentistry clinics set up. Personal touch for the day. After trying several times online to send money to Australia for Christmas via MoneyGram, we had no joy, so went to Lake Avenue Post Office in Berry and Edmonds. And yes, the human touch worked. Lovely staff served us, no problem, and everything was made easy. Money sent. What a delight, just like old times, going to a post office. What wonderful, helpful staff, wrote Anna and Michael to road of Bury St Edmunds. Jeff Hall from Brandon says, Government is to blame for inequality. There is so much inequality and unfairness in Britain where nearly a third of children live in poverty and con constantly go hungry. This is 2023. I know there is poverty around the world, but this government's lack of empathy destroys children's lives, condemning them to missed opportunities compared with those from better off backgrounds where money is not a problem. Money does not guarantee happiness, but not having enough cash to afford food, shoes, clothes, heating, furniture, treats and even the occasional holiday is deadening for the poor. Selling wine by the pint, writes John Dell of Shotley. The Department of Business and Trade has just announced that our businesses will be able to sell wine in measures which include pints. Apparently, this is a Brexit benefit. Clearly, ministers at the Department of Business and Trade feel the economic damage that leaving the European Union 
has caused the businesses of the UK was all worthwhile. I wonder whether our local wine producers can let us know whether they have recovered from the economic trauma of Brexit. Perhaps they can also let us know whether they believe the ability to sell their wine in pint bottles will enable them to recover all the trade they have lost as a consequence of Brexit. Trevor Goodfellow from Thurston writes, New homes could help pay for services. Referring to the sleeping giant item explaining the planning for thousands more homes in, sorry, around Bury St Edmunds, my concern is that the affordable housing, which has now become a buzzword, may need some thought. So often we see so-called affordable housing bought and extended or buy to let, which immediately removes it from the affordable list, in my opinion. One solution is to build council houses. Remember those? But thanks to Mrs Thatcher, most got sold off cheaply, so perhaps there needs to be a stop to the right to buy scheme, which made people wealthy at the expense of the taxpayer. The proposed housing will bring in the council taxes by the truckload, so it would be really good to have a new hospital to replace the temporary one we have, which is now past its sell-by date, and enough dentists, more police for the increased crime, better roads and better drainage, better public transport, expansive waste recycling, etc. Sleeping giant? Yes, I remember when it was sleepy, lovely. Do we want to wake it up, though? Or are they creating a monster? Next, I'm reading a feature. The man behind Butterworth and Son tea cards is on a mission to keep the tradition alive. When Rob Butterworth placed his first tea card in a box of berry blend tea in 1993, he had no idea the body of work that he would amass. At the time, he was running the Lawford shop in Central Walk, Berry St Edmunds, selling a new tea produced by his grandfather's Butterworth brand, for whom he'd also just taken over the running of the tea and coffee division. The first of 12 tea cards were black and white photographs of Berry St Edmunds and were carefully hand-placed within the packets of the loose tea. They produced, they proved highly popular after sourcing an ingenious team of local artists and designers, he went on to commission and produce a further 80 sets tea cards over the next 30 years to be included in Butterworth's tea, amounting to 1,000 individual designs. The last box of tea containing a collectible tea card was sold this month by Butterworth and Son, now run by Bob's son, also called Robert, from Boulderow Road. Modern production methods for packing and changing trends mean the cards have been dropped from Butterworth tea packets. Bob Senior, however, is determined to keep the family tradition alive by repurchasing and releasing a 98-card retrospective set, commissioning future one-off themed sets and offering back issues for collectors. He said... My collectible picture card adventure started 30 years ago when I focused on the tea and coffee division of our family enterprise. While Grandfather had traded in this commodity, we needed something to separate us from our competitors. So we launched a local blend of tea for the regional hard water conditions, which included collectible picture cards. 
The first set of cards was scenes of historic Berris and Edmonds, followed by a history of the Suffolk Regiment. They proved popular, and 80 different sets with different themes were included in our packets of tea for the next 30 years. Robert found inspiration and ideas for cards in a range of topics including sport, military, science fiction, animals, landscape, culture, history, glamour and railway. He then commissioned his small band of local artists and organised the printing. He also designed and commissioned novelty sets telling collectible stories he'd written himself alongside visual puzzles and games. The card sets varied in number between 8 and 112. The tea cards have become collector's items all over the UK as the Butterworth Tea and Coffee Company expanded, with early issues becoming highly sought after amongst hobbyists, some as far away as America. The project has made me master of a thousand illustrations and author of a million words for hundreds of technical descriptions, said Rob. A huge thanks goes to all the customers who have supported the tea and the cards project over the years, along with the artist designers who turned my dream into a reality. Also, thanks to the places and faces I encountered while undertaking subject research, and from one-off oddballs to technical experts, they've all been incredible. This also includes my wife, Dula, of 53 years, who was modelled within the last seven sets of cards. I'm delighted to issue a fifth a 98-card anniversary retrospective set of cards containing at least one from each set over the years and keep the tradition alive for this once enormously popular hobby. I'll also be commissioning one-off sets and still have a back catalogue of cards from years gone by. To paraphrase an earlier Victorian card publisher, it's all been well said that a Butterworth collectible card is an educational gift to the youngster, a handshake to the gentleman, a smile to the lady, and a memory to the connoisseur. Another feature. Supatra Marsh swapped science for ceramics and life as a potter near Berry St Edmunds, where she creates her signature, Kurunuki Cottages. Supatra Marsh was working as a biologist in Singapore when she found a pottery studio near to where she and her partner Paul lived. Needing to scratch a creative itch, they signed up for evening classes and unlocked a real love for making ceramics. Three years later, Supatra no longer spends her days researching skin amid the high-rise of a Southeast Asian city. Instead, she is creating ceramics in her purpose-built studio in rural Suffolk. I wanted to do it while I was in Singapore, but as we were working, there was no time, she says. Ironically, it was Covid which gave Supatra an opportunity. The pandemic prompted the couple's return to the UK. At first, they stayed with parents in the Midlands before finding their own house. Knowing the time was right to make a career switch, they wanted somewhere with enough land for a small pottery studio, preferably in a rural setting, and found it at Culford near Bury St Edmunds. Here they started Blank Earth, with Supatra creating original and unique work, while Paul has taken on the role of business manager, which he combines with a regular job, occasionally helping out in the studio. 
While it's hard to imagine a more contrasting career or lifestyle, Supatra finds some common elements with her scientific background. There's a lot of chemistry in the mixing of glazes and the firing process, she says, and my science knowledge is really useful. Indeed, her science work has always existed alongside art. She recalls an exhibition she organised to communicate the findings of a scientific project through art. Blank Earth is founded on a passion for traditionally made artisanal crafts, which she loves for their uniqueness and authenticity, as well as their enduring qualities. It's important to me that my ceramics are beautiful and functional and made to last, so that people can treasure them for years to come. Supatra's core collection is a range of homeware designed for everyday use. Plates, bowls, dishes, mugs, vases, plant pots, ring holders, candle holders, pet bowls, even a citrus juicer. Each piece is handmade to order, so buyers can choose the colours they like and add personal touches, such as names and initials. Her signature ceramics are the charming little cottages she creates for incense cones and wax melts. Supatra carefully hand carves them from clay using the traditional Japanese kurinuki technique which she learnt in Asia. George, 89, lights up lives at Christmas. An 80-year-old who puts on a display of Christmas lights in his home even provides free gifts for children. George Woods, who will be 90 on New Year's Eve, has been putting on displays at his bungalow in Nunnery Green, Wickenbrook, for the last three or four years. He starts putting the wiring up at the end of September and keeps the display going until early January. It includes bags of wrapped Christmas gifts, with children invited to help themselves to one each. George, who was a caretaker at Parkway Middle School in Haverhill, for 25 years, said, I thought, let's start putting the lights up. And then I got more and more into it, and the kids like the lights, and the parents like the lights, and I just enjoy it. The parents are very appreciative. The Mid-Suffolk Light Railway is preparing to welcome the new year with a warm glow and a fond farewell to popular locomotive, Whissington. But 2024 could be a momentous year for the railway as its own locomotive is nearly fully restored and it is still possible that its extension to Aspel could open. The railway has had tank engine Whissington on loan from the North Norfolk Railway for some time. It is very popular with visitors and crews. But it returns to Sheringham after the New Year's Day Steam and Light Festival featuring historic oil lamps lighting up its main shed. Whissington's departure comes as the Midi's own locomotive, 1604, nears completion after a long restoration. Rail volunteers hope to get it steaming by the end of the year for the first time since 1970. The Steam and Light Festival is always a popular New Year's Day event and this year should be even more accessible as a vintage bus service was operating between Stowmarket Railway Station and the Midi's base at Brockford. A Suffolk Early Years teacher, who has taught hundreds of children over nearly 60 years, was honoured, but also shocked and humbled, to receive the British Empire Medal, BEM, in the King's New Year's Honours List. Enid Bacon, more commonly known as Topsy, will be presented with a BEM in recognition of her services 
to early years education. In 1974, she and a group of friends set up the Beck Row Pre-School to teach children in the village from the age of three up to primary school age, and she has been involved with the school ever since. Topsy, who has lived in the village for 58 years, believed that she would have taught hundreds of children during that time. Many of the pupils she taught have now become parents themselves and are sending their own children to the school. Explaining why the school was started, she said there were not many preschool facilities in the area around the village at the time. So, the group of friends decided to set up one of their own in the village hall. Since then, the preschool has moved into the grounds of Beck Row Primary Academy in the street, where it occupies a mobile building. And such is the popularity of the preschool that there is currently a waiting list for places among the 42 pupils the school can take. Topsy, 79, who grew up in neighbouring West Row, said changes introduced by the government to fund more childcare meant the school had to cap numbers at 42. Of the British Empire Medal, she said, I'm very honoured and also shocked and humbled by it all. I'm one of those people who don't like a fuss made of me and I like to be more about other people. She has received congratulations messages from the families of pupils she's taught, some living as far away as Australia. Of the satisfaction she gets from her role, she added, I just love the children. I've met so many lovely families as well. A man has been arrested after an armed robbery at a petrol station in which staff were held at gunpoint. Suffolk Police have confirmed that a 48-year-old man from Newmarket was arrested on suspicion of robbery on Thursday. Police were alerted to an incident at 7.15pm on Tuesday, December the 12th after a suspect walked out of the Shell petrol station in High Street having stolen cash and cigarettes while holding the shop workers at gunpoint. He had a handgun and also pulled out a knife from his waistband before, before putting a large army-style camouflage rucksack onto the counter and telling a staff member to fill it with cash and cigarettes. Police conducted a search of the area but made no arrests and have continued investigating the crime. The 48-year-old man was taken to Berris and Edmonds Police Investigation Centre for questioning where he currently remains. Officers are continuing to appeal for anyone with information to contact police, particularly those driving along High Street or in the surrounding area between 6.45 and 7.45pm on December the 12th. Anyone with CCTV or doorbell cameras in the area is asked to check footage around these times and report anything that could be of use to the police. Cheers! Seven pubs which reopened in Suffolk in 2023. Pubs are the beating heart of towns and villages across Suffolk. While many sadly closed their doors this year, a number of watering holes have successfully reopened the community. Here are seven which were restored in 2023. The Bell Kersey. Located in one of Suffolk's most idyllic villages, the Bell Pub in Kersey reopened in January. The family and dog-friendly pub was taken over by Dob Hibble, who has previously worked a number of older pubs in Suffolk. The White Horse Baddingham, 
the White Horse in Badigham was restored to its former glory in July, after it left shut for months. Now it's owned by Moss & Co. Operating's manager, Adam Moss, said he never heard so many positive comments after it opened. The George Cavendish After closing at the start of 23, the George in Cavendish opened in October. Spencer Martin, Carl Cooper, Spencer Hewitt and Jordan Adams took on the pub. Mr Hewitt said, We want to rescue these beautiful pubs in amazing villages. The Swan, Monks Ely. Following a sudden closure in January, the Swan in Monks Ely returned to its former life by April. Owners, Stephen and June Penny, brought their travel plans to a halt in order to open a mid-Suffolk establishment. The Bunbury Arms, Great Barton. The Bunbury Arms reopened early last year following a sudden closure. Best known for its carveries, Green King say they were searching for the right partner to take on the pub. The Red Lion Debenham. Having been shut for 25 years, the Red Lion in Debenham celebrated a historic opening in November. Leonardo Foggiano purchased the pub, which had been previously used as a house, after it closed in 1998, before extensive renovations were carried out. And last of all, the Cross Keys Henley. The Cross Keys reopened in June after being closed for nine years. Dan and Tina Powick spent 15 months renovating the venue, which is also being used as a cafe and community hub. It had previously been run by Ipswich Town legend Kevin Beatty. While many may still be battling to devour all their turkey leftovers, a Berris Lebman's blacksmith is hoping his latest unusual creation will chug its way into a new home. And although barbecues might be more synonymous with summer eating the winter feasts, a unique example is currently gaining plenty of attention in Ruffham. Duncan Dry of Vikings Forge in Malthouse Lane, Berry, has crafted a barbecue which is every train spotter's dream come true. The outdoors cooking implement, which is for sale at Ruffham Hall Nurseries, looks just like a steam locomotive. Extra £200,000 to be spent on grass cutting after complaints. A council has pledged to do more to keep Newmarket's grassed areas tidy next year. The announcement follows a review of West Suffolk Council's grass cutting and grounds maintenance operations, which came under fire from disgruntled residents throughout the summer after they were frustrated by overgrown verges and weeds growing across the town. The Berries and Edmunds-based council intends to invest around £200,000 on enlarging the team responsible for maintenance and buying new equipment, as well as reducing other commercial work to make sure it can keep up with demand. Milton Hall councillor Ian Ship, who is the council's cabinet member for leisure, also assured residents the target three-weekly cycle of cuts traditionally between March and October, would not be reduced. The council said it continued to look at how it could best control weeds as, back in April, before the local elections, when a new administration took control of the authority, in a bid to protect wildlife, it stopped using the weed killer glyphosate, which in 2015 had been declared a possible human carcinogen 
by the World Health Organization. The Council will have further talks with Suffolk County Council, which is also responsible for some of the town's verges, as it wants to continue to protect biodiversity while also listening to concerns from town's councillors and residents that the rewilding approach had gone too far and there's not enough weed control in certain areas. Looking at our grass cutting and ground maintenance regime was one of the first things we announced at our first cabinet meeting, said Councillor Ship. I believe there is a balance to be had which is also reflected the comments we received from the public. They both want to see us encourage biodiversity but help to keep up standards of civic pride to encourage visitors. One of the country's best-known food critics has named a Suffolk restaurant his favourite. Jay Rayner has hailed Lark in Bury St Edmunds as his restaurant of the year following a visit during the summer. Mr Rayner ate at the Angel Hill restaurant in July, just months after its grand opening in February. The restaurant made its mark on the critic, who has described it as an ambitious, clever, relaxed and hugely enjoyable. Lark is based in the former site of the Flower Hut and is run by head chef James Kahn, who launched the restaurant as his first solo restaurant. Mr Rayner recalls his visit to Suffolk while reflecting on his culinary highs and lows of the year. He said, It was Lark, housed in a one-time bus shelter turned tiny dining room, that really took my breath away. There's always a place for brilliant, talented chefs showing us exactly what they can do. The rabbit and black pudding pie was certainly my favourite dish of 2023 and Lark, my restaurant of the year. He also praised Suffolk Siermer in Oldsborough, naming it another of his greatest experiences. Business leaders are pledging to fight as hard as they can against plans to axe free parking in some of Suffolk's most historic market towns. The chair of a business group has spoken out as he tries to galvanise opposition to the controversial plans unveiled by Bayburg District Council just before Christmas. Meanwhile, nearly 3,000 people have signed a petition against the proposed changes, which an organisers say kill retail in the area. Three hours of free parking is currently available in car parks in towns and villages through Baber, including Sudbury, Hadley and Lavenham. But the cost of subsidising the free parking cost Bayburg District Council about £425,000 last year and is set to increase this year. Now, the authority, which is facing a budget cap of £1.5 million next year, says it can no longer afford to fund the subsidy if it is continue to deliver other essential services. Paul Clover, who represents Lavenham on Bayburg District Council and launched an e-petition against the charges in December, which now has over 2,900 signatures, said, I think we can't afford to kill the retail outlets in Sudbury. There's a number of vacant outlets already and it's just going to increase that we need to look at the impact that these changes will have on high streets, not just in Sudbury, but also Lavenham as well, which is a big tourist draw for the area, and Hadley also. We are coming to the end of this edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk. 
If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you have been given. Alternatively, you can put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Berry Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and Newmarket Journal, from whose pages most of our items have been taken. News Talk will be back again next week. So until then, from Roger, Jill, Adrian and Mary, it's goodbye. Goodbye. listening to a podcast brought to you by the St Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our Bury St Edmunds studio.